0: One angry daughter at a time I'm Norman Mitchell
1: I'm Cassandra Frederickson.
0: And joining us again for the last time this week Is Gary Ruby. Hello,
1: Hello. Happy to be back And today
0: we're talking about Minute f-
1: Yeah. <laughs> Happy to have you
0: Always Today we're talking about Minute 40 Which starts with uh, Arwen continuing to ride away from the rest of the elves And ends with uh, Arwen saying to Elrond It is time Time. And she's going to finish that sentence on Monday. I really like the shot of Arwen riding into Rivendell. Oh, God, Me it's gorgeous. Too. That is... Uh, I really like the look of late fall Rivendell. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is hauntingly hauntingly pretty. It's Everything is so close to dead, but little bits of life are still clinging to some of the trees. Mm-hmm. And the colors are really pretty, even though they're so washed out. And Elrond is just chilling in his study. Alone. Alone.
1: Like a sad old man.
0: Arwen's just like, father, (laughs) what did you see?
1: Well, (laughs) one thing that I noticed um, while watching this minute prior to recording is that the music that I liked so much in, um, what minute was that, 37? Um, When Gandalf rides away uh, into the distance Mm -hmm. is... Used here when Arwen rides away into the distance.
0: And then up the steps of Rivendell. Mm -hmm.
2: Amazing.
1: So I guess this is just like riding away on a horse dramatically music.
0: Yeah, it's good for that. (laughs) I dig it. It's good for that.
1: (laughs) It's really pretty. It is.
0: Howard Shore doing his job.
1: Yes, doing it well. Yeah. Always.
0: (laughs) I really do, though. I love the Rivendell miniature. It's so pretty. It's really pretty. They, uh... They talk about using it about ten times across the the trilogy. Mm. We get like ten good wide shots of the the Rivendell miniature. Yeah, I think this is the last. This is the last one. Pretty sure. That makes sense. I don't think we get another wide shot of the miniature in Rivendell. We we might see parts of it in the background and some of the upcoming stuff next week, but I don't quite remember mm. without going and looking again. Um. But I really do. I like all the the late fall colors. It's got a really, it really adds to not just the weight of like what this scene is going to be about, but it also is a really ni- nice uh, juxtaposition to like the green forest we were just in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some, and is also a good transitional environment into what the environment around uh, Minas Tirith and in Mordor looks like. Mm-hmm. Where everything is even closer to dead.
1: Or dead already.
0: Or dead already. So I think that's cool too. Like just the, just the progression in the movie of seeing stuff kind of slowly becoming more gray toned and washed out.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. so I made, that's cool. I made this wide shot my background on my computer because it's just such a pretty shot.
1: Nice. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, there's a little bit of talk in the design commentary about only actually having video and effects work for five or six waterfalls that they constantly reuse whenever they need waterfalls in the background Mm -hmm. so it's like always the same ones that they're using which is i think is kind of funny but it's cool to see like the entrance to rivendell the fellowship left through again Mm -hmm. i like this study area outside that elrond is in
1: yeah what is this um is this the 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 moon runes thing
0: I, it kinda looks like it. The thing he's got set up next to him in the study. Yeah. It's definitely got a lens on top and yeah. it's this very wiry framed thing. It
1: looks like hmm. some sort of scientific instrument, but I don't know.
0: Maybe it's an Elven telescope? I don't know.
1: Oh maybe. Yeah. Oh. Something that's for true. gazing
0: at the stars. Because the elves love the stars. Yeah. He's keeping keeping track of dad.
1: I guess <laughs> I guess <laughs> <laughs> just up in space.
0: Well, yeah, that's where Hill is. <laughs> my
1: ma- my astronaut dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because the lens is either pointing up or pointing down. So that's why I was just like, oh, so is it receiving light from the stars or is it like looking at
0: it? You know? Maybe it's some sort of elven thing that he can use to talk to his dad. Oh, Who knows? I don't know what kinds of magics the elves might be able to do. Magics. Witchcraft, <laughs> but no, I I love the way Arwen just storms in here. The motion of her throwing the cloak off, yeah, is just like really really beautifully done, it's and doesn't really come good. across as like there's not as much motion behind it or anger behind it as there would be in like other performances from other people. I think doing the same thing, she just kind of drops it off mm-hmm. just to to make a point as she enters this space. Mm. And it's done really gracefully. Liv Tyler just does everything really gracefully in these movies. <laughs> yeah. She's she's really just nailing it, playing an elf. And Elrond's first reaction upon being questioned is to turn away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: She's like, nope, I don't want to deal with this.
2: I
1: can't talk about this right now. I can't look at you right now. <laughs> what if I entered every room that I walked into? As dramatically as Arwen does.
0: Well, she she has her her shoulders square, her chest out, walking confidently into yeah. the world. She's mad. Yeah, yeah. She's she's pissed. You have the gift of foresight. What did you see? Mm-hmm. I saw only death, but there is life.
1: Well, he doesn't say only. I saw
0: death. Yeah, yeah. And then he he does he drops the thing about it how it's becoming uh, how that vision is almost gone. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and he says nothing is certain. So clearly the gift of foresight isn't anything in the, the context of the story that is absolute. Like Galadriel's mirror, she has the ability to see the future through that. And that's not absolute either.
2: Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like, true. Uh,
0: prophecies are not, prophecies are not reliable in Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. Like they probably generally come true because most people just don't have the drive or the ability or the knowledge to do anything about them Mm -hmm. because the elves keep themselves so separate from the rest of Middle Earth for the most part. Right. But the idea that they're not set in stone.
2: Prophecy in the Lord of the Rings is a lot more vague than it is in, in a lot of other fantasy where you have like, this is the prophecy written in stone and, and all these things have come to pass and you are the chosen one. And I feel like there's a lot more freedom of choice for the characters in this series than there is in a lot of fantasy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like uh one of our one of our friends has been listening to the Wheel of Time audiobooks and yeah. we were we were in the car with him a little while ago while he was listening to some of it and they're talking about prophecy and that and just like listening to some of that stuff I'm just like oh I really should get around to reading these eventually.
2: <laughs> I read
0: I just haven't.
2: I read all the ones that Robert Jordan wrote in high school. Um mm. and then by the time the first one That's what Brand the last Sanderson 3 are Brandon up. Sanderson? Yeah. By the time the brandon sanderson one came out i was like i do not remember enough of this story to like continue Finish and i don't it. have yeah. it in me to go back and reread 11 books and everyone's like oh you should just yeah, like, look it... up a synopsis online but it's not the same you know
1: right.
2: mm. i don't know i yeah because there's there's any.
0: 14 or 15 of those books. there's like 14,
2: 14. of them 14. yeah
0: that's a lot
2: it is a lot
0: 14 books is a lot it's it really that's, that's complicated. twice the number of harry potter books
2: some of the, some of the villain characters like die and come back with new names and like, uh, it becomes, it gets very complicated. Yeah. Like, I don't know who's who anymore.
0: <laughs> that makes it hard.
2: That's why you need a flow chart. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just, just, just keep a flow chart on your walls. Pretty soon you'll be like Charlie Day. <laughs>
2: oh my God. So I've been reading, I've been reading this series, uh, this new series that's been coming out called The Chorus of Dragons. Uh, The first one's called Ruin of Kings, which came out, like, in, like, February, I think. And then the sequel just came out this week, and it's called The Name of All Things. And they're just big, sweeping, epic fantasy. Um, But the first book had a... There was a a magical artifact that had a, like, soul-swapping element to it. So there was this mystery of, like, who is this kid's real parents that gets more and more complicated as the story goes on because... So many people aren't who you think they are. It turns out they actually have the soul of someone else in their body. Like it's that's so weird. Bananas. It's I really, really love this series a lot, but uh, it is very complicated. Me and a coworker have been going through the first book again, like just kind of in preparation for the new one. And uh, every time we work together, it's just like, oh my god, wait! I just listened to this part, and I think that this means that this is that this guy is actually was this person in his last life, and it's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's very fun i have a really good time like working through like all the different like bits of prophecy and things that are happening in this series but it's complicated
0: yeah yeah it's called the uh, the series is called chorus of dragons
2: yeah jen Lyons is the author i think there's are supposed to be five of them they just revealed the cover of the third one a couple days ago so i'm glad they're coming wow. out at cool. like a good pace yeah uh, when we got the marketing material for the first one, the the um, tour pamphlet that we got said that it's a five book series and they're planning on having a book out every nine months. And uh, I thought that seemed preposterous wow. for an epic fantasy series, but she has put out two 700 page books this year. So
0: that would make her. me that would make me yeah. think she that she wrote it all that she has already pretty much written it all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think so, too.
0: And she's just determining how she wants to split it up.
2: Especially because re-listening to the first one um, recently had so much, like, things that you don't... S- it, so much worth going through it again. Because when you have the knowledge of, like, who some of these characters really are, what these relationships really are, it was such a richer experience. I thoroughly enjoy this this book. Um, mm-hmm. She's coming to the bookstore
0: Yeah, it changes your perception of some of the earlier parts of the story.
2: It's really good, guys. I love stuff like that. She's coming to the bookstore in a couple weeks, and (laughs) I am stoked. Yeah, I told my manager, I was like, I want to work that event, please. That's rad.
0: Bring (laughs) your copies of the books. It's going to be
2: great, right?
0: That would be like one of the perks of working in a a bookstore big enough to get authors to show up to, is just constantly getting stuff signed.
1: Well, I mean, if you have to work the event can't just like get in line but you could ask them to sign it yeah like, before the event right exactly or oh, after
2: it doesn't super
0: and they probably will i mean they're yeah. there as your guest mm-hmm. you know
2: most of the authors that i've we've had at the store have been great
0: like you would think that's i would think that's a pretty common request as like an author is to you know sign stuff for the staff that's working yeah. the event that you're doing
2: I, I don't because i'm usually the like nine to five person at the bookstore uh i don't tend to work events super often so i'll like we just leave stuff behind to get signed because um you know, we've we'll get stuff signed for other customers that can't make the event but want to sign bookship to them or something. So it's just here's a stack of books and here's the personalizations that these people want and if you're willing to sign some extra stock for the store we'd appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, because then you can you can sell some extra signed stuff and make the store a little bit more money and mm-hmm. give the author a yeah, little totally. more like exposure and that's all the that. Thing, sort like, of we stuff. really
2: we really want that's to be able to like show that we get good sales for author events because it, we're more likely to get those authors to come back you know and then sometimes it gets super unmanageable yeah. last year we had Brandon also Sanderson like, and we had like 500 people show up and no space for anyone it was oh my god bananas
0: <laughs> the uh the librarian like near where we live apparently was in brandon sanderson's wedding wow he's like personal friends with him
1: that's amazing oh that's cool
0: so that's pretty cool. That is cool. He's got like a he's got a signed set uh, of the Mistborn trilogy on his shelf in his office in the library. Oh, that's
2: awesome. I haven't read. Yeah, I haven't actually read any Brandon Sanderson stuff.
0: You should read Mistborn. I tell yeah. everyone that. I have a copy. I literally tell everyone that.
2: And I just haven't read it.
0: It's real good.
2: Yeah, I'll. T- i It's. It's on my list. I'll get. I'll get there. That's one that's actually. That's one that's actually on my shelf. So. <laughs>
0: one of the things that makes Mistborn really good for me is that. The magic system is really clearly defined mm. and doesn't seem to break its own rules.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's important.
0: So, like, Brandon Sanderson seems to really be a fan of, like, uh, harder magic systems. That that's what I've heard. Uh, which is also one of the things I appreciate about, like, Avatar The Last Airbender. It's like the, the magic is really well defined.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that series. I just want to watch yeah. that again. That's
0: just, like, another example of, like, hard magic that you can kind of point out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Totally
0: whereas like the magic in Lord of the Rings is a very like softly defined thing it's very mm-hmm. very vague and up in the air it just kind of serves the needs of the plot and mm-hmm. isn't really explained.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this whole um
0: this whole foresight thing. Yeah. Yeah. This is just it's never explained at all. We
1: don't know how this works. It's just like some some elves are super magic and some elves are just regular magic, right? <laughs>
0: there are 30 foot tall demons. There's also like barely able to make enough light to rival a flashlight, like whatever. <laughs> It's cool. I can't be burned by fire.
1: All right. Sure. Cool.
0: But yeah, Arwen is just real mad. I really, I wish that there was more Liv Tyler in these movies. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because uh, there's three women.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. There's a whole three. And between the three of them, they don't even have probably as many lines as Gimli. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are we counting um, voiceover? Because uh, Galadriel I think even does a you, lot of voiceover.
0: I think even if you count voiceover, they probably don't have many more lines than like Gimli and Legolas do. And Gimli and Legolas have like the least lines of anyone in the Fellowship.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I would guess that the three most uh, dialogue-heavy roles are uh, Frodo, Frodo, Aragorn, and Gandalf. Yeah. Yes. And then probably after that, Sam and Gollum.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. That sounds That would right. be
0: my guess at the top five. El-Gond. Mary and Pippin get a lot of dialogue in this movie compared to the last two. So they kind of catch up some, I would think. But Legolas... Legolas probably speaks the least out of anyone in The Fellowship.
2: Mm-hmm. That sounds about right.
0: That's just... Like, that. that's just what my heart tells me, even though Boromir's only really in one of these. Yeah.
1: Boromir talks a lot, though. Yeah, uh-huh. Boromir...
0: For me just goes off because if you're going to use Sean Bean, you might as well give him stuff oh, yeah, to say. Oh yeah, for
1: sure. For sure.
0: You don't you don't hire a, an an actor as great as Sean Bean and not give him things to act.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Go. And the, and they shot stuff for him for all three movies. So mm-hmm. like we're going to we're going to see a little bit more in this one not too long from now.
2: Oh boy. It's coming.
0: It it's coming. coming. <laughs> But yeah, I, I do want to know more about this this foresight thing. What are the what are the circumstances? Why did Arwen have this vision here and now? These are the sorts of things that we think about yeah in these like deep dives of these movies. But ha- this is something that I've always like wondered is like why does she have that vision there? Yeah. Because why does this happen now? When it's I was a, it's uh, very it's very plot derived yeah, and not narratively yeah, derived.
2: Yeah. I used to think for for whatever reason as a kid I used to think it had something to do with like where she was. But they don't make a big deal about, like, that particular part of the forest or anything. Right. So I don't know.
0: Right. It's...
1: That's why I was asking where the visions come from. Like, are they derived from, like, uh, like Eru, like, Luvatar? Or are they just, like, random magic stuff?
0: Because
1: but... all, the, all the magic in Lord of the Rings comes from that central deity. Right. It's correct? some
0: it's um it comes from uh uh what's it called uh ea the fire of creation is like where this magic comes from and that was the the life that eru iluvitar breathed into the world
1: Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: and the reason that the the reason that Iluvatar was like mad at, at allah was because of like him not using some of the fire of creation to make the dwarves in the same way as everybody else and jumping the jumping the gun on bringing life into the world separate from the valar and the maiar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all wrapped up in all this stuff like a lot of people um, we talked about this way back in season 1 but a lot of people think that uh tom bombadil is supposed to be like a physical manifestation of the the fire of creation itself just present in the world wow that's like one of the theories about what tom bombadil is what
1: the heck i yeah i remember this but like and
0: why he's so why he's so powerful and untouchable by the rest of the world Mm -hmm. because he's like the the source of the fire of life
2: that's amazing Hmm.
0: yeah which would also like kind of make him uh avatar in middle earth
1: Hmm. that's so if yeah if um if this is the same area that uh they would have encountered um tom bombadil
0: then that magic does would be she, stronger Does here. she
1: get this vision because From Tom? she's, like, in proximity <laughs> to, like, Middle-earth's god? Right.
2: Maybe. Boy,
0: Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> Possibly. This doesn't look like the... This doesn't really look like the forest around Buckland that we saw, though.
1: I I don't know. Like, the I think it's because of the ferns.
0: Yeah. The ferns give it a real... Even though it's sparse and the trees aren't very big, I always think that a lot of fern cover makes things look more ancient. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: It's just because it makes it look less lived in. Because if there's all this undergrowth and fern cover, that means there's not as much stuff moving around.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. I just associate ferns with dinosaurs because- Because of Land Before Time? Yes. Well, yeah, I guess. Maybe.
0: (laughs) The the star flowers or whatever?
1: The tree stars? Yeah, the tree stars. those are ferns.
0: But then there's also like the, the the like dimwitted Stegosaurus that's just always eating, oh, always Spike? eating plants. Yeah, uh-huh. Spike. I couldn't remember his name.
1: You underestimate the um like staying power that movie has on my right. life. <laughs>
0: you know the the character that is motivated purely by food.
1: Just Relatable. Uh huh.
0: And then Ducky is Ducky the little one.
1: Ducky is the um the little like platypus looking one yeah the patasaurus yeah the patasaurus
0: yeah that sounds right and then little foot and sarah the triceratops
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god what's the um
0: and then the, the pterodactyl petri- right petri, petri yeah. yeah uh-huh yeah which is just a joke on the first four letters of pterodactyl yep and the fact that p is one of them
2: <laughs>
1: it's great
0: Oh, Don Bluth.
1: Is anyone doing Land Before Time Minute? I
0: don't, I don't know. know. That movie is just, not long. That movie is, like, barely feature-length. Just first watch, ones.
1: like, Littlefoot's grandparents die. Aw. <laughs> devastating. I know.
0: Every movie Don Bluth made is devastating. Like, I would never want to do All Dogs Go to Heaven minute
1: Oh, God, no. Oh, no. No.
0: That, that movie is depressing. Yeah. I do love that movie, though.
1: Oh, man. I have a
0: really, like, a really hard nostalgic love for that movie i saw i watched it so much growing up we had it on vhs and i'm pretty sure i killed that vhs growing up because i watched it so much <laughs> can't keep a good dog down oh
1: well god <laughs> monday's sad friday's sad it's the week of sad
0: this, this is a, like a really heavy week there's I'm a lot sorry of
1: we had you
2: on for sad week no. love we'll to have you
0: on for happy week i'm too. delighted
2: to be here for sad week are you kidding me We get all this emotional This little boy's name is Sadwin. (laughs) Yeah!
1: That's funny. Oh, man. Do we have any other um, Lord of the Rings-related thoughts?
0: Just in general, I guess. Before
1: we go down, like, a Don Bluth rabbit hole.
0: (laughs) Yeah, before we... Big-lipped alligator moment.
2: (laughs) I don't think I have anything else. Yes, no? Maybe?
0: No, I don't... I don't think I really do either. I just... There's... There's a lot of a lot of just cool visuals in this sequence with Arwen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do, you know, Rivendell's cool to see again. And then there's we're gonna have some 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 more cool stuff next week. So make sure you come back and join us, all the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Gary, thanks for joining us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank you once for having
1: again. All week. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Once again, all three of us are from DuelingGenre.com. Go check out mm-hmm. the myriad of podcasts there. And if you're more interested. In Movies by Minutes as a whole, head over to moviesbyminutes.com and check out the kind of master list of all the currently running and finished Movies by Minutes pro- uh, projects that are out there in the various places on the internet, collected in one wonderful directory.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh, I wonder what we're up uh, to now.
0: Hope everyone has a... I think over a hundred, like I'm pretty shows. sure.
2: I think it has a counter now. I'm going to allow quick.
0: Nice. Nice. I'm curious.
2: There are currently 142 Movies by Minutes podcasts. Oh my God.
0: 142? Yeah. Since last season, it's been like 50 have gone up.
2: Yeah. It's- it's.
0: Since we stopped doing Two Towers. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. It's a movement. It is. That's insane. Awesome. So, uh, hope everyone has a has a great weekend. There is literally not enough time in your life to listen to all those Movies by Minutes podcasts. <laughs> But go check it out. There's lots of lots of really iconic movies that have, have been done or mm-hmm. are being done. So yeah, go check those out. Uh, we'll see every, well. See. You'll you'll hear us on Monday. If you're, <laughs> if you're still here. Uh bye.